Father in heaven, we thank you that we have so many reasons to be thankful. We've mentioned many of those today in song already. We have thanked you for your great cross work of your son. Without that, Lord, we would just have a very temporal happiness. And so we praise you, Lord. We are reminded that this life will come to an end. There is a heaven waiting for us because of Christ's finished work. And many of our loved ones are there ahead of us. And so we run this race to finish it well. We thank you for the reminders of the theology that we sing, Lord. Father, we thank you for each and every one that's here. We know family is visiting. Some of our church members are off uh, visiting other family, Lord. And, and yet, Lord, thank you for just a full house this morning of people that have come to sing and praise you, Lord, and hear your word being taught. I pray you bless each and every one of them, visitors, newcomers, uh, those have been here for many years. Father, we love those who can't come as well, Lord. Those who are sick at home, uh, maybe they won't be able to return, Lord, and, and yet they watch and listen. And so we pray for them, Lord. Strengthen them, be merciful to them, help them finish well, Lord. Father, we think of those who have coughs and colds and flus that are going around the church. Uh, Lord, we especially think of our little ones. Some of our little ones are sick, Lord. Please heal them, Lord. And, uh, give them strength, Lord, as uh, this is such a fun season for so many of them. Lord, we thank you for our missionaries. What a joy to talk to most of them this week and see how they were celebrating Thanksgiving in a foreign land. And we thank you that uh, they are so faithfully serving you. Lord, we ask that you bless those missions around the world. The gospel be first and foremost, Lord, in their ministries. May we continue to give and support and pray for them, Lord. Now, Lord, as we turn to the attention of a heart of Thanksgiving, Lord, give us just that. Cause us to be thankful, grateful people. We have all people who know and believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ have so much to be thankful for. So remind us of these truths in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week, as I mentioned, was a little bit slower and it was a time just to kind of focus on Thanksgiving for me. I really do uh, take advantage of this holiday. Uh, I, I do enjoy it, and I thank the Lord. And I started Monday just making lists of things that I was thankful for. And in fact, I even polled uh, anybody I could ask, and, hey, what, what are you thankful for? Uh, unsaved, saved people. And got all kinds of uh, things that people were thankful for. And, and some of them ended up in this, actually in this list that I want to go through with you today. But but as I thought more deeply about it, that the attribute of thanksgiving and gratitude really, truly can be fulfilled in the Christian life. In fact, I think that's the only place it can be fulfilled in. See, in Christ, we have everything we need for life and godliness, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says. We have everything we need. That's the text. That's what it says. For life, for salvation, for godliness, that's the daily stuff. He's given us all we need. And we are truly thankful because of the work of Christ. But what about those outside the faith alone in Jesus Christ? Those who are not believers, can they be thankful? Those without Christ, can they express some level of gratitude and thanksgiving? Well, I think they can. I think there are moments of appreciation that they may have for maybe good things that happen to them throughout the year. Uh, they may look at them as accidental. They may look at them as chance. They, they may look at them as good karma or whatever. But they, they can be thankful. God has made man to appreciate his creation and the things that he has done. 
But when we think deeply biblically, we understand that true and lasting thanksgiving has to have a foundation to it. If it's going to last, if it's not going to be temporal, if it's going to last, it must have a foundation to it. Someone or something, right, in whom thanksgiving is grounded to. And this is where the Bible teaches us that true thanksgiving is not movable. It does not fade with circumstances. We truly are thankful in difficult times and in good times because it's built on something greater than our circumstances. And even though we see the mercies of God given to those who even reject them, the Bible says he sends rain and sun on even the lost, We can rejoice that God is good to this world. God is good to America, isn't he? He's kind to to people in all places. And so we can appreciate that, that that even people can be happy in their temporal gratitude, but we know, we know that the only way that lasts is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible reminds us in James 1.17 that all good things come down from the Father above. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? All good things. And some of those good things that God gives fall on those who don't believe in him, who reject him, because God is a kind and merciful God. But those of us who do believe, don't we appreciate that? Don't we appreciate the weather just a little differently? Uh, uh, life and food and family and friends. I mean, there's a, there's a little more strength there, isn't it? Because we know what Jesus Christ has done in our life. Well, ultimately, as we think about thankfulness and maybe unthankfulness, much of that comes back to our view of sin, isn't it? Sin really dominates a lot of things. When we study the doctrine of sin, we begin to realize how that affects man greatly. And sin, at some level, has, has rejected. That's what it is. It rejects God's perfect plan for life and godliness. It rejects those things. And the Bible describes why worldly thanksgiving is temporary. is because there's a lack of thanksgiving to God. Just listen here to Romans chapter 1, verse 20, as I chase down the thought of thankfulness, I actually wanted to start here because I think this is where most of mankind is. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for since the creation of this world, his, that's God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, what a great description of God, have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so they are without excuse. So the Bible's teaching us that God wrote his law upon the hearts of all men. All people know what's right and wrong. He has displayed his glory in creation, Psalm chapter 19. It spreads from earth from throughout the universe like the sun. And so we realize that there's a rejection of God that they're without excuse. But then it says this, and I think this is really telling why Thanksgiving is temporal for the lost. Verse 21. For even though they knew God, right? Man knows there's a God unless until they lie long enough and loud enough um, and, and get the 3 to 4% of the nation that thinks there is no God, and that can be even debated. They know there's a God. Talk to any children, spend any time with children, even from unbelieving homes. They understand there's a God. God put it on their heart. But listen to what the rest of the verse says. They did not honor him as God, and here's the phrase I'm after, or give thanks. Or give thanks. 
See, that's one of the fundamental things we look back into the garden and we see what happens. It started with Adam and Eve. There was a point where they stopped honoring God. God was walking and talking with them in the garden. He was displaying his great creation to them. He was giving them dominion over all that he had created. And yet he had one thing, a tree in the garden that he did not want them to partake of. And in that moment of temptation, they stopped honoring God as God and began to think of themselves as their own God. And when you think about sin, sin is always based on a lack of thankfulness. And as I thought about this week, and when I sin, there's a moment, at least in time, where I am not thankful for the work of God in my life. And you choose to do something contrary to him. And this is what happens. And we think about this, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. This started a progression, a fall of man, right? And this is the problem with man. And so thanksgiving has a hard time lasting very long in a fallen world because it's not based in God. Now, this extends to everyone who does not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But But then there's another side of the coin, and this is really what I want to focus on today, is that the result of true biblical thanksgiving, when it's based in the present, uh, this is precious work of a triune God, because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all involved in our salvation. When we think about that, and we come to our Lord with a broken and contrite heart that is immensely full of gratitude because he saves undeserving sinners... We receive grace and mercy that we did not deserve, and it produces thanksgiving, listen to this, even in the most difficult circumstances. In the most difficult circumstances. Many times as I call on those who are in difficult circumstances or spend time with them, there's often the only thing I have to offer them is the gospel. I can't solve their medical issues. I can't solve their crises and their families. I can't fix those things. But I can give them a hope that will never pass away. And we can remind them of truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so true thanksgiving can come. Gratitude can come. And look, it's produced. And this is what I'm after today. I know that thanksgiving and gratitude are produced in gospel-saturated people. It's a good word, isn't it? Gospel-saturated people. We look at everything in our life. Everything comes and centers around the gospel. See, these are people who are redeemed. They've been captured by the work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. They've been, they've been ones given new life. They were dead, now they're alive. They're ones who have become eternal worshipers of a creator, savior, and king. And this true heart of thanksgiving starts to dominate in their life. And it lasts not only now, but all the way into eternity. I'm going to prove that to you today. It goes all the way into eternity. So this morning, I want to give you a list of reasons to be thankful. The list could be endless. I had to cut it off somewhere. I know you looked at the notes. You said, 12 points? He can't get through three on a Sunday morning. (laughs) These will be quick. (laughs) And I want you to write. I want you to take and write down. Write down the verses that I'll give you. Some we're going to look together. Some I'm going to quote to you. And I want you to write those down. And I want you to keep this in your Bible. And I want you to pull this out from time to time when you're lacking joy. Because this might be a good biblical recipe to help bring your joy back. During tough times, during hard times, even during selfish times, 
God can return your joy. So this morning I've picked out at least 12 here that I, I tend to support with the scriptures. And listen, my goal is to encourage your souls, my soul, increase our thanksgiving gratitude to our precious Lord. Well, number one, certainly, and everyone I asked this was, at least the Christians, this was the top one. Number one, true biblical and lasting thanksgiving comes from our undeserved salvation. Oh, there's so many verses I could pick out, but I took on Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. If you have your Bibles, follow me along. Long, you have to turn quickly and mark these passages in your Bible, and we will worship, add them. Biblical, true biblical and lasting thanksgiving comes from our undeserved salvation. Look what Paul says in this great text in Romans chapter 6. Right in the middle, of it, he breaks out into thanksgiving. He says, but thanks be to God, Right? He's been talking about the, the slavery to sin um, up to this point and how it held us captive. But now he says, but thanks be to God that through you, that, that, that though you were slaves to sin, that, that word is not a, a comfortable word in our culture anymore, isn't it? But it's a very, very true word, isn't it? We are completely captured by sin before Christ freed us. And you say, well, it wasn't really that bad. I didn't do all those awful things, but you were absolutely capable and don't lessen your thought life or any other little sin you committed. All of them put Jesus on the cross and all of them deserve the wages of sin. So Paul says, I thank God that though we, you, were slaves of sin, you became, look at this, this is beautiful, you became obedient from the heart, not from the mind, not from the outside, Right? but from the, the internal organ inside of us, that a spiritual organ inside of us that has the ability to love God when changed. He says, you became obedient to the heart, to that form of teaching to which you were committed. You heard the gospel, and God changed your heart, and you became committed to the gospel. Look at verse 18. And having been freed from your sin, you have become slaves of righteousness now. What a great thought. Slaves to doing what's right according to God. That's what we are now. See, that's Thanksgiving, right? You take that verse and reverse it, and pretty soon we're just still slaves of sin. It's really, really hard to have a consistent, eternal Thanksgiving when you're a slave to sin, isn't it? In fact, I'll tell you, it's impossible. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14, just jot this down. Listen to Paul. But we should always give thanks to God for you. Now listen to this. Brethren, beloved by the Lord. That word means he set his love upon us. He pressed it upon us. Because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may, listen to this, gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, was that a reason to be thankful. God, you're not, you're not some mistake to God. You did not stumble your way into your relationship with God. God knew you from the foundations of the world, and he drew you to himself. You can never be lost. See, right there, that's where whole thanksgiving, the whole foundation of thanksgiving is built right there on the finished work of our triune God as he drew us to a second. Walk in a manner worthy of our Lord produces thanksgiving. Walking in a manner worthy of our Lord produces 
thanksgiving. I want to turn to that passage that Josh read for us this morning. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. I love this set of verses. I find myself often coming back to them to sharpen up, to, to repent, to walk with God, to rejoice, to, to affirm things. This is just a great set of verses, starting with verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled. Um, oh, what a great word. The Bible's teaching us that, that we're, God is filling us with truth, with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, look at this, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I, I promise you, when you walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, not because we have to, but because we get to, when we walk in that manner that's pleasing to the Lord, there's gratitude there. Walk, walk contrary to the Lord and see how happy you are as a Christian. Walk contrary to the Lord and, and, and just watch where your thanksgiving goes. It seems to disappear. And so he says, walk in a manner worthy to the Lord to please him, listen to this, in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. All these things are moving forward. That's how thanksgiving comes. Look at verse 11. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfast patience. And notice there's a bad verse break here. Joyously giving thanks to the Father. Walk in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord, and you will give joyous thanks to the Lord. What is the opposite? Walk contrary to what God has asked you to do and what God has shown in the Scriptures. I promise you, you will lack joy. Your life will be full of frustrations. Because, see, you're, you're a Christian that's supposed to be walking in a worshipful manner, and you're not. And so we lose our joy, we struggle along, and pretty soon we're not thankful for anything, we're just complaining Fight for your walk with the Lord. So much great reminder here, the Father who has qualified us. What a great term. The, the Greek word means he made us fit to be in his presence. Isn't that amazing? He made sinners like me to be fit through the finished work of Jesus Christ to stand in his presence forever. I think that's pretty worthy of thanksgiving. <laughs> you take this sinful man who deserves the wages of death, Right? And you make me fit for a kingdom of God for all of eternity? Notice how he did that, verse 13. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. That's what had hold of us, right? Transferred us. That means he removed us from that domain of darkness. He transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Isn't that a great thing? That's where we get the word adoption from, right? He takes us and brings us out of this world. He wipes out our past as though it didn't exist. And he puts us in his forever family. Oh, that's so good to be thankful for, right? And notice he's redeemed us in verse 14 and forgiven our sins. What a blessing. You want thanksgiving? Walk in a manner worthy to the Lord. Just look at chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I want to sneak two more verses in on here. Chapter 2, 6 and 7. Listen to this. Therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, Christ Jesus the Lord, look at this. So walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, so uh, just as you were instructed. Now look at this phrase at the end of this. And overflowing with gratitude. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? We've been established in Christ. 
We're grounded and rooted. The strongest storms of life cannot tear us out. And we're supposed to be those who are overflowing with gratitude. I love that. Overflowing with gratitude. What a, what a great verse is that hit me, rebuked me, encouraged me, strengthened me in so many ways as I studied that this week and thought about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Third, the peace of Christ and unity of the body creates thanksgiving. You're in Colossians. Just look across the page there or so. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. We have peace with Christ. We have unity in Jesus Christ as a body of Christ, as those who meet in the locally assembly of Riverbend Community Church. There, this creates thanksgiving. Notice the verse, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. There it is again. There's something different about the, the saved. Their, their hearts have been changed. The heart of flesh, is, the heart of stone has been turned into a heart of flesh, so now it can love God as God intended and indeed, you've been called into one body, right? There's the unity. And then this statement, and, and notice it, it says, and be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. I remember Gina with the boys as she was schooling them out on the ranch. They used to song, sing a song, be thankful, be thankful. I can still hear them singing that. We have to teach our children sometimes to be thankful, don't we? And yet we as adults need to remember that we have the peace of Christ. We're no longer at war with God because of Christ. And that's brought us into a community of believers who believe that, and we are granted thankfulness. We know that this is in a great context. Verse 12 teaches us that we're chosen of God, and so there's characteristics that change within our life. 13, we forgive as we've been forgiven. We're, we're able to forgive just as the Lord forgave us. Um, we have a perfect bond of unity because of love. Verse 15, as we've already looked at, we have our hearts changed and peace rules in them now. Uh, verse 16, we have this word of Christ that richly dwells within us now. The scriptures, the truth of our Lord is, is now taking root in our life. And, and it ends up, looking down at that, that songs of thankfulness start to produce from us. Do you sing thong, songs of thankfulness? Do you find yourself hearing songs that we sing on Sunday and th singing them on Monday? That gratitude starts to come out of you. I, I, one of the things I love about this church is we just love to sing. And it's so fun to sit up front and hear your voices just come flowing forward. Yes, Lord, you've done this for us. We're grateful. Four, pray with a heart of thanksgiving. So prayer is very much a part of thanksgiving, isn't it? Still in Colossians, look at chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourself to prayer. Keeping alert. Now look at this. Keeping alert in it with a, and, and this little phrase is added because I think the context of the verbs and the, and the syntax of the structure here. An attitude of thanksgiving. Devote yourself to prayer. Keep alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. One of the things you, you'll find yourself not very thankful if you don't pray much. You know why you don't pray much? Because we're worried about a bunch of things. Our minds are just consumed with all the things that are going on, finances, health, politics, you know, whatever else is going on in your heart. You're just consumed with that, and we lose the heart of thanksgiving. Prayer will bring you back. Because often we start our prayers, Lord, we thank you. And it sets our tone, it sets our, our spiritual mentality in a right place, doesn't it? So Paul says, be devoted to prayer. You want to be a thankful person? Pray more. 
You say, well, Scott, I, as I hear this, it's a little bit hard because I I'm, I'm tend to be a negative person. Maybe that's you. Pray more. Pray. Pray will cause us to be more positive, more thankful in what we do. Notice this verse says, keep an alert. So, so I have to keep alert that my prayers are full of thanksgiving versus full of constant request of God. Now, no, certainly the Bible says request of God. Make your petitions known to him. We know that. And there is nothing wrong with coming to our great and mighty God and saying, God, will you heal my loved one? Will you help me in this area? Those are, those are not wrong. But is that rooted in a heart of thanksgiving? See, that's the way prayer is. We pray and we thank God. And Jesus left us with a great example of prayer, of thanking him for our daily bread and, and for our forgiven sins and so forth, right? Come to the Lord with a heart of thanksgiving. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, right? And so there's prayer and there's supplication, there's coming to him, but it's all based in thanksgiving. That's how you let your requests be known to God. Look, everyone has a request for God right now. At least one, if not dozens. Don't you? I don't think you're a believer if you don't have a request for God right now. He's our God, right? He's our Father. Every one of us have a request of God. Save this person, you know, forgive this person, heal this person. I don't know what, what yours is. I know what mine are. Are you coming at that with thanksgiving? Thanking him that he is a God who's in control of all things. Thanking him that you can trust him as you make this request. Oh, it'll bring so much joy to your heart. 2 Corinthians 1, 11 says this. You also join in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. See, thanksgiving comes when people pray. When people pray together. It was always Paul's habit to start his epistles, at least most of them, as he does in Ephesians 1.16. We do not cease giving thanks for you. Giving thanks for you. I know so often our elders start our meetings with just giving thanks for this church, what God has done, the people he's given us to shepherd and care for. Uh, we thank the Lord for you. How about you? Do you thank the Lord for your elders? Do you thank the Lord for your church? Do you thank the Lord for your children? Do you thank the Lord for your home and the food and the things that he's given to you? Are we thankful people in our prayer life? Or are we just demanders? Fifth, missions are driven by a heart of thanksgiving. Mm, I love this one. You know I love missions. And, and I really enjoyed just studying this a little bit. I could have gone a long time on this. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14. I text and, and WhatsApped many of our missionaries this week, the ones that um, have American affiliation of some way, whether they married an American or they are American or whatever. And I said, hey, how's Thanksgiving going in your part of the world? And it was so fun to get their responses. Well, we searched high and low, and we found a turkey breast, and we cooked it, you know. And so it was really fun to talk to them and just go back and forth to encourage them. And this verse, verse came to my mind as I thought about missions and thankfulness. Verse 14, but thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now, now don't miss that little prepositional phrase on the end. If you leave that off, this would be a slogan for, you know, the conservative party or something, Right? 
thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph, right? No, no. Triumph in Christ. That's the key there, isn't it? And manifests, manifests through us the sweet aroma, listen to this, of the knowledge of him in what? In every place. I, I think this is a great mission verse. This is Paul saying, we want to thank the Lord. We want to give him praise because he triumphs in the most difficult places. And he strengthens us to exalt him in every place we go. That's missions. That's missions on your block, at Publix, at your schools, wherever it may be, and his missions around the world. This is what he's so thankful for in every place. And as I talked to our missionaries today and what they were, they were doing this week, this week and how they had actually gathered some of their members of the church to have uh, Thanksgiving with them, not to celebrate the turkey and all those things, but just a, a, a time to get them together, appreciate what God has done. They had such sweet times. In fact, one missionary I text or, or WhatsApp, he said, we are actually assembling right now. Thank you for the words of encouragement. And he sent me a picture of a half-eaten turkey. And he says, we're worshiping right now. If you look over just a couple of chapters over, 2 Corinthians 4.15 says this, For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spread to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Listen to those words. The grace which is spread to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks. This is why one of the reasons we do missions, right? That's why we send people and we go and do things. We come back and report because we come back and as we did that report just a few Wednesdays and nights ago, it was so fun to talk to you and people came up and said, Scott, that is so encouraging. We're just encouraged what God's doing in a land we could not even uh, fathom to understand what their culture and where they were living and what they're doing. And yet Jesus Christ is triumphing there. It causes us to give thanks, doesn't it? Six, this was an interesting one. I had several people tell me this. Thanksgiving now dominates our speech. Thanksgiving now dominates our speech. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. 13:15 of the book of Hebrews says this: Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. This passage, uh, this reference comes right out of the book of Hosea, chapter 14, verse 2. And there, Hosea is reminding the people that God will establish them. They will turn from their wickedness and they will again worship God with the fruit of their lips. And here the writer of Hebrews incorporates it to the new covenant church. Look, we should continually be offering up a sacrifice of praise. We don't bring lambs anymore because there was a final lamb who died for us. But we bring constantly right into the presence of God. We come right into the Holy of Holies every time we pray and talk with him. And what we bring is the sacrifice of our lips, thanksgiving. What a beautiful thing. We come into the presence of God and we offer those gifts. One young man told me, he said, God took away my filthy mouth. Ephesians chapter 4. 5 verse 4 said this, And therefore must, uh, there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting. And it says this, But rather giving thanks. And so thanksgiving now dominates our speech, doesn't it? It should. Instead of negativity that flows from our mouth, thanksgiving comes out of our mouth. Oh, Lord, we thank you for what you 
have done. Seven, a heart of giving generates thanksgiving. A heart of giving generates thanksgiving. Go back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Starting in verse 12, here we pick this up. For we are not... I got the wrong chapter. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with those who condemn them. Am I in the right passage? I am not in the right passage. Verse 7. Oh, here we go. Got it. I was in 10. Sorry. Uh, Verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but listen to this. But it is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. So he's talking about this Macedonian ministry, right? And he's trying to get the Corinth church on board. They're one of the more wealthier churches. The the more poor churches or middle-class churches have been given the bulk of the ministry uh, to to go do it. But this church has not. And so he's trying to encourage them to give. And so he, he says, look, it's just not about the needs of the physical things that are going on. But there's an overflowing of thanksgiving to God that is being given. Verse 13, because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession to the gospel of Christ, listen to this, and for the liberality of your contribution to them all, while they also, by prayers on your behalf, yearn for you because because of the surpassing grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so when we give, there is this heart of gratitude that comes. There's this, I love the term, overflowing thanksgiving that comes. You know, that's how we should give. Josh referred to that this morning as he talked about the ministry of giving or the worship of giving. There's an overflowing of thanksgiving. And so when you and I give our offerings to the Lord, they should be given in great gratitude. Verse 7, Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver, right? So we cheerfully give. We see budgets that need to be made. We, we, we sacrifice, all of us, uh, we sacrifice and give a portion back to the Lord, which actually belongs to him. We give him a portion back, and we do it with thanksgiving. Boy, we encourage you to keep giving, but we would encourage you to give with thanksgiving. So much relies on your giving here. The ministry of this church, both here and around the world, schools, uh, training of the next generation of teachers. I mean, so many things that it has to do. But look, we want you to give with thanksgiving. Oh God, I, I with great gratitude give back to you just a portion of what you've given to me. Sometimes that portion is, is not as much as we'd like to give. But whatever it is, give with a full heart of thanksgiving and then it'll cause you to give more. It'll cause you to trust the Lord. Well, the next thing that I thought of that went along with giving is I thought about receiving. Number eight, receive with a heart of gratitude yields thanksgiving. Receiving with a heart of gratitude, it yields thanksgiving as well. You know, giving sometimes is really easy for some of us. Receiving is a little more difficult. Hmm, I wonder why. (laughs) It might be pride, right? We might be used to kind of being the guy that dole, or the gal that doles out that stuff. And yet somebody comes and does something out of kindness and uh, just gracious to us. And sometimes it's hard to receive, isn't it? So we learn to receive 
from the Lord, received from others. And when we receive correctly, it is received in thanksgiving. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. The context here is the difficulty that the early church has experienced with everything from demonic behavior um, throughout Ephesus, particularly in this passage, um, but also a Judaism that was based in legalism and all kinds of things. And in fact, that all of their doctrine is based on good works. That's how they try to appease God. And because of it, they fall into hypocrisy and they're and their consciences are seared in verse 2 and so forth. They start to make lists of things you can and cannot do, forbid marriage, advocate abstaining from certain foods. And God says this, and, I, and again, that's the context here, which God has created, notice this, to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. So there is a receiving of, stu- of things God has done with gratitude. One of the things I learned to pray with the boys when they were little was it's, it's easy for our children just to kind of bow their head, fold their hands, you know, come on, Dad, pray so we can eat. So I learned to slow things down just a bit. And say, God, we, we want to purposely thank you for this food. We know and believe it came from you. And the boys were kind of like, Dad, that steer used to be in our pasture. <laughs> yeah, but all things good come from the Father above. See, slowing down and realizing that the meal you're going to have after this, that turkey sandwich or whatever you've got plans for to go home and eat or somewhere, that did come from God. And see, we receive things with thanksgiving. That's why Christians always pray before their meals, right? We pray and thank the Lord because we know that these things have come from Him and not from our own. So when we receive things correctly with a heart of thanksgiving versus pride that I earned this, I deserve this, or whatever it may be, when we receive those things with gratitude to God, oh, it'll bring joy to your heart and it'll bring worship to God. Number nine, friendship and love for one another stimulates thanksgiving. As I pulled people throughout the week, this one kept coming up over and over with people. People said, I'm so thankful for friendship. Friendship within the church, friendship with believers. Friendship kept coming up. And the Bible's just full of friendship in so many ways. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9, just write these down. There's several verses I want to give you. For, for what thanks can we render to God for you? That's how Paul speaks. For what thanks, what, what level of thanks can we render to God for you in return for all of the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? Wouldn't you want Paul for a friend? I mean, he just comes out, I, I'm so thankful for you. I, I have so much joy because of you. Isn't that a great friend? Isn't that uh, something worth giving thanksgiving for? Jesus himself, um, look, he, he highlights friendship, doesn't he? John chapter 15, 13 through 15, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Ooh, he's speaking about himself. And he's speaking about his relationship with the disciples and us, really. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for slaves do not know what the master is doing. But I call you friends for all things that I have heard from my father, how I have made known to you. Jesus highlights the importance and the thanksgiving of friendship. 
We, we, we know he does this. Uh, in John chapter 11, Jesus calls Lazarus his friend. Proverbs says a friend loves at all times. A friend sticks closer than a brother. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7, Isaiah 41, 8 says Abraham was a friend of God. And James puts it this way. And the scriptures must be fulfilled which say, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Think about that for just a moment, brothers and sisters. We are a friend with the Almighty. He is not against you. If you think God is against you, you don't have a proper biblical view of who God is. You may be mistaken of how to get to him. He is your friend. He did everything in order to have that deep-seated relationship with you that he could call us friends. There's a negative side to this. James also warns, he says, do, not, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen, brothers and sisters, the world's going to go and do what it does. Even conservatism within this world we have to be extremely careful with. We're Christians. Far ahead of what we are politically. And even the conservative world will go astray, won't they? We're Christians. We're friends with God. He's our friend. That means we can come to him and appeal to him and thank him and have a relationship with him and so forth. I think that's worth praising God and having a heart of gratitude. And, it, and I think it's worth saying, I want to be a better friend. One of the things I hear from ladies sometimes is they'll say, my husband has no friends. And I think they're saying, because he always wants to be with me and I can't get rid of him. <laughs> Did I say that? Sorry. Brothers and sisters, do you have friends in Christ? Are you cultivating those friendships? Do you weep with people who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice? See, friendship will bring great thanksgiving. Friendship will establish a deeper love for God because as you commune together, iron will shop on iron and you'll enjoy God better. Build friendships. Build friendships within the community of God, in the community of the church. Build deep friendships so you can call upon each other and, and spend time with each other. I mean, we have 42 days of the life of Christ recorded in the scriptures. He spent three years with those men out on hillsides, around the fire, having meals, moving from place to place. They had a deep bond, didn't they? And look, we have a deep bond with Jesus, and that should make us have a deep bond with other disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? 10, we live in a spiritual kingdom filled with gratitude and worship. This I just came across by just working through the word of gratitude. And go to Hebrews chapter 12 with me, verse 28. The writer of Hebrews is trying to sum up this great letter. And he breaks into praise that we have something that the rest of the world does not have. And he says in chapter 12, verse 28, Therefore, since we have received, and I love that word, this has been given to us, right? A kingdom that cannot be shaken. Man, our kingdom of America is being shaken, isn't it, right now? I, I've got to travel a little bit this year. In every kingdom we've been in, it has been shaken. 
They are shaken. They're shaken in the Middle East. They're shaken in Europe. They're shaken all over the place. There's wars and battles going on with between people's ideas and thoughts and, and everything you can imagine. But I love this verse. We've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Why? Because it's based on the finished work of Jesus. And a father's plan that was laid down before the foundations of the world, and it cannot be shaken. And notice what this does for us. Let us show gratitude. Oh, Lord, America seems to be coming apart, but not your kingdom. In fact, you're so kind in your kingdom, you told us this was going to happen. And we believe you. Help us cling to you. See, we now show gratitude because we have a kingdom that the world can't get to, right? And look at, by which we may offer to God an acceptable service and reverence and awe. <laughs> Believer, you're part of something so much greater. So much greater. There's a kingdom of God that is, is encompassing people from Spain and Morocco and 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 Egypt, and Philippines, and America, and South America, and all around the world, there's a kingdom. And some of those are with the king now, and others are waiting for the king's return. And, but we're part of this great kingdom of God. And it causes us to have great gratitude for him. Because our kingdom cannot be shaken. Eleven, every God-given role and gift is meant to create thanksgiving I touched on this verse earlier, but Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. God has given us many different roles. We've been talking about this through 1 Corinthians 12. There's different lanes he puts us in, right? With different roles, different gifting, all of that. We, when we stay in our lane, and, and, and as God designed us and gifted us to serve him in those ways, we find great Gratitude and thanksgiving. Get out of your lane. Be something that God has not intended you to be. Try to do something that God has not given you a role to do that. Oh, you'll be miserable. But find what God has for you. Search. Ask the Spirit to show you those things as we went through that list of last week's uh, uh, passage. As we work through that to determine what God wants me to do. How he's gifted me. How I am to serve and bring him glory. Find that and you'll find a heart of gratitude. Because God has given us all things to do. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. No matter what you do, give thanks. And finally, number 12, in eternity we will be consumed with thanksgiving. In eternity we will be consumed in thanksgiving. My time is running out because we want to get to the table today. But I want to give you a couple of verses here. Revelation chapter 4, the scene is before the Almighty God. The living creatures have just said in verse 8, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Great praise is coming from these living creatures. And when the living creatures give glory and honor, and listen to this, and thanks to him who sit at the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. And the 24 elders, I think they represent the church here, will fall down before him who sit on the throne and will worship him who lives forever. And they'll cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they exist and were created. 
That's a look into eternity. It's not done. Chapter 7, the scene comes back in front of the throne of God. Verse 11, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Look, if thanksgiving is the mark of a believer for the eternal state, shouldn't it be now? Shouldn't it be now? Father in heaven, we thank you for a moment just to focus on the beautiful gift that believers in Jesus Christ have of being grateful and thankful. Lord, we live in a world that can produce some temporary thanksgiving and gratefulness, but they have no foundation. And so those temporary things change with circumstances. And though, Lord, our lives too have circumstances, our lives are built on Jesus Christ and nothing less. Our lives are built on a rock, a foundation, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the plan of God from the foundations of the world. Our lives are built on that. And so, Lord, there is an ability to be grateful and thankful. And so, Lord, this morning, Sunday after a holiday called Thanksgiving, we ask that you make our hearts grateful. Help us not compromise. Help us live according to the word. But, Lord, let that produce thanksgiving and joy in our life. Hearts of gratitude. May the gospel be the motivating factor of the Lord, not our circumstances. This life is difficult. Jesus, you said we would have difficulties and tribulations in this life. There's hard times, Lord. But when we stop and focus on the gospel, we are reminded that our feet are set on a solid ground, and it's Jesus and his finished work. And we have that through the, uh, the unfailing, infallible, inspired word of God. These truths we stand upon, and we give you thanks. We give you our gratitude. We give you worship. Lord, I pray that we are all strengthened and encouraged this morning. Lord, tomorrow's coming, another day of life on this fallen world. So remind us of these things, Lord, as we pray, as we read, as we meditate on the things we've heard. Lord, cause us to be reminded of these truths, Lord, and give you praise. And may we be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.